0: Welcome to the Girls Who Run the World podcast, where we're bringing you inspiring guests who are leaders in their industries. We'll be tackling topics from education and empowerment to diversity and inclusion. Together, let's learn from these incredible women. This podcast is brought to you by Our Gorongosa. We create specialty coffee with 100% of profits supporting people, wildlife, and the planet in Gorongosa National Park, Mozambique. Girls' education is one of our biggest priorities because we know girls have the power to change the world. Just like Beyonce said, who runs the world? Girls. hello and welcome back to the girls who run
1: the world podcast i'm your host emily and i'm thrilled that you are joining me today for this interview featuring lynn Weinman. before we get to the interview i wanted to quickly remind you to share this episode if you found value in it and tag us on social media so that even more people can find us we love you for it and thank you so as I mentioned, today we are chatting with Lynn Weinman. She is the president and chief strategist at Kid Glove, And really, you will be hard pressed to find anyone who is more passionate about marketing than her. As founder of a B Corp certified full service boutique advertising agency, which is KidGlove, She is surrounded by a talented team with the mission of helping the organizations that are changing the world. Lynn is a member of her local AMA Hall of Fame and has been named Marketer of the Year. She's also been recognized with AAF Lincoln's Silver Medal, Inspire Women's Leadership Awards for Excellence in Entrepreneurship, and is a member of the AMA National Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion cohort. Just an incredible woman. And this interview was super inspiring. We chatted about her lifelong affinity for creative pursuits and how she started out thinking she was going to pursue acting and switched gears. So it's a really interesting story. We talked about the many positive aspects of marketing and advertising and how they can really be used as a force for good. We talk about why creating a company culture centered around people and sustainability is so important. And we talk about the surprising marketing trend Lynn is most looking forward to for 2022. And it might surprise you like it did me. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did and make sure you connect with Lynn and with KidGlove. Let's get to it. Here's episode 22 featuring Lynn Weinman. So welcome to the show, Lynn. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Uh, Hey, Emily, thanks for having me. Hey, I have my great coffee in hand and I am ready to have a fabulous conversation with you.
1: Amazing, me too. And love to see you well caffeinated. That's how we like to be Uh, here.
2: (laughs) For sure. I'm going to just start right out by telling you I'm drinking the Lion Blend from uh, your firm today my new favorite.
1: Thank you. Love to hear it. So we're just going to jump right on into the opening segment and I want to hear from you. What are you most grateful for in your life right now? Uh, So
2: Emily, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, almost two years in the making. I can't believe it, but I got to say my health, I think the healthcare system, healthcare workers, all of those things that are just so easy to take for granted.
1: I'm grateful for my health. Mm, Isn't that the truth? What inspires you daily? So where do you draw some of your inspiration from?
2: I build great energy from the people around me. And I think, Emily, my greatest talent is to find people that are smarter and more talented and just better humans than I am and convince them to join me. And so I love being around people who are passionate about what they do.
1: Hmm. Isn't that the truth, though? Finding the people who are better at the thing, especially better at the things you don't want to do or aren't good at. (laughs) That (laughs) is
2: that is for sure. It's the old Tom Sawyer thing. If you have read Tom Sawyer, right? Like how many people can you convince to paint the fence and think they really, really love it? And the great thing is people do really, really love painting the fence. We all like different things. So it's great to find that team that fits together in that way.
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. What's one mantra you like to live your life by? Mm-hmm.
2: I would have to say that there's always 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 a positive outcome. So even like when you're in a situation where you're just like that sucked, right? Or I really screwed that up or wow, that was the perfect storm of terrible things. I always feel like there's there is something in that situation that you can look at and go, "All right, here's one positive thing." The one positive thing is I'm never going to do that again. Or that one positive thing is I'll know better next time, but there's always something, something positive
1: out of it. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of one of my mantras, which is you either win or you learn. Yes. So I feel a similar way in that the failures teach you a lot and that's how you get better and grow. Or you win. So it's always a win for me too. Right. (laughs) Emily, if you're in marketing like you
2: and I are, or you're in an entrepreneurial business, I think you have to be willing to take risks. And I think the only way you can wake up every morning and continue to take calculated smart risks is to know that I'm not always going to win, but something good's going to come out of it. So I I like your mantra too. I
1: think that's a good one. We can use each (laughs) other's. There you go. There you go. Who or what has been your biggest teacher so far?
2: Yeah. So just building on that last question, uh, as I look back, this is such a good question. But as I look back, I think the biggest teacher is failure, as painful as it is. I I think back to a situation in my life where I was in a, a role for eight months. It was really painful And uh, I probably, while I was very happy to be out of it, I learned the most in that eight months. I call it my MBA. It was like an accelerated MBA program, right? But I think that for me, when you hit failure, it's like, I always give myself like a minute to cry and a minute to be angry and then like dust yourself off and get on with it. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. And I think that is really that growth mindset. And that's really, I'm sure what has propelled a lot of your success, because if you're not willing to, like we said, fail and learn and then get back up, you're going to stagnate and stay in the same spot. So who wants that? (laughs) Not me, right? Like that sounds terrible. Yes, exactly. I'd love to just situate the listeners a little bit and start off by going a little, a little back into the past. And I would love to hear from you what your early life was like. Where did you Mm. grow up? What activities did you like to do? Anything you feel like sharing? Ooh,
2: I love that. So how long do we have here, (laughs) Emily? I love to tell stories. No, (laughs) I, here's something really unique about me. So I am sitting right now, in a house that was built by my great, 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 great grandfather, right? And yeah, way, way back. And so he actually immigrated from Prussia, worked in Wisconsin, built up some money, and then walked all the way from Wisconsin to Nebraska, staked a claim, built this house, raised his family. And so my kids will be the uh, seventh generation to live in this house. Right. And so that kind of brings this like sense of belonging, but also the sense of responsibility. Right. And just this being in touch with history. Like I've got stuff on the shelves behind me that is a hundred years old that was probably touched by my ancestors. So that's kind of, it's probably as dust from them too, because I'm not a very good duster, (laughs) but so that is, that is a thing about me. And then probably the other thing about me is as a kid, I was probably the biggest creative nerd like that you could find, like I was into all the stuff like art club and theater and speech team and creative writing. And, you know, that all of my interests were poured into all things creative.
1: Hmm, I love that. So it definitely sounds like something creative, which is what your career is now, was always yeah. going to be in the cards for you. So I'd love to hear how you kind of translated that first love of all those creative pursuits into a career. So how did you get started? And ultimately, what led you to Kid Glove? Yeah, so
2: I thought I was going to be the next Meryl Streep, right? So I was dead set on getting a degree in theater. But because I have this great history, I was also dead set on living in Nebraska and raising my family in Nebraska. And if you haven't noticed, there aren't a lot of great Broadway companies based in the middle of America, (laughs) right? And so luckily, uh, my parents found just the right people to talk me out of that. And with some really good counseling, somebody said, you know, you want to think about advertising because it's the perfect blend of business and creativity and and I really have loved that because I in my role at Kid Glove I am the chief strategist so I don't actually do the art and I don't actually do the writing but what I do is I help pull the pieces together so that that our clients have what they need to build a really strong strategy and our creative team has what they need to build a really great brand or campaign or television commercial or website or whatever it is they are working on. So yeah, I, I got my degree in advertising. I was lucky enough to get a great internship while I was in school. So I the agency I got the internship with hired me when I graduated. I stayed there for 20 years. I learned a ton about the business but then was ready to just go out and try my own thing. And I dabbled in a couple
1: other things and then eventually started. What is kid glove today? Mm, amazing. I love that story. Thanks for sharing. Absolutely. We, actually have a lot, we have a lot of similar pieces. And one of them is that I too transferred my internship. They hired me on this was at a PR agency Uh, right out of the PR program that I took. And so they had me on after that. And I do often say to women who ask me who are just starting, whether it's PR marketing or advertising would probably be the same case. I say that agency is a great way to learn what you do like, what you don't like, because you have such a broad amount of tasks really. And you kind of can dip your toes into different things. And also for us, different industries. Um, So I did a lot when I was at the agency, I did a lot of retail, but I also did a lot of nonprofit. And so I kind of, it's funny now I'm doing both together, basically. Right. Yeah. In a way. So it's really, really cool to kind of get that agency experience. And I definitely tell people early on in their career that it's a good thing to think about doing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think you kind of learn right away to kind of learn if you're in the advertising PR marketing business. You kind of figure out fairly soon. I'm an agency person because I I personally am an agency person because I love the like the variety and the competition of it or you're a corporate person and the corporate side, you get like that strong loyalty and strategy and more involved in different aspects of the business. So I think it's two great, great sides of it. It's, I think it's really great for people to experience both sides too. I did do a year as an interim marketing director for a large nonprofit and I learned so much. So now At Kid Glove, I'm much more empathetic towards Mm. my clients because they'll call with a request that maybe one day I would have thought was unreasonable. And now I'm like, oh, I get it. I I understand the pressure that's coming on them internally and why we need to deliver this thing that seems unreasonable on the surface to me, yeah.
1: Yes, I totally am with you there. Helps give you a little more perspective, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) perspective is such a good thing too. Mm-hmm. It really
1: is. Absolutely. I'd love to talk a little bit about how marketing and advertising can sometimes have a little bit of a bad reputation. You know, I've worked in this, you know, realm for now maybe 11 years. And so you worked in it longer than me, but you know, we've been (laughs) around, we've been here yeah. and I think it does often get this bad rap. And I would love to chat a little bit about how on the flip side, it can really be used as a tool Mm for good and a force for good.
2: 100%. You are you've just opened the can of worms to my favorite topic here because I think going back to my story of how I got into the business, I honestly think that if I had had not started out by wanting to be in theater and my parents so badly did not want me to get a theater degree that that they maybe would have questioned advertising, but they were so relieved that I was not going into theater that advertising seemed okay, right? And I think, unfortunately, like shows like Mad Men have romanticized the worst aspects of our agency or our, our advertising, marketing, PR field. As a matter of fact, whenever anybody refers to, oh, Mad Men, I, it just makes me angry because I think that there's so many bad stereotypes that are pulled into that. But even you don't have to look very far. I did a presentation recently as talking about marketing and advertising and the state of the industry, I mean, there's a Marketing Week article that talks about how 70% of CEOs don't trust marketers to increase their revenues, right? So if you could think about in your business, if your CEO, Patty Connor, who's amazing, didn't trust you to raise revenues, like that would not be a very good place to be in. And I also came across, this one's even more heartbreaking, an Inc. magazine article that references 96% of people don't trust advertising, right? So 96%, that is a ton. But yet, I think what you don't realize is there's also studies out there that speak to the fact that most decision-making is done subconsciously and based on the emotions. So for every person who tells me they don't trust advertising, they're not affected by advertising. I'm like, yeah, right. That's what you think. That's maybe what you think. But, you know, I think what advertising does is it it gets the important information out to the various audiences and, and fields of people throughout the world. So, you know, there's a saying in the business that, nothing kills a bad product faster than good advertising because what's going to happen is people are going to figure it out. And in today's age with Google reviews and online reports and social media, they're going to figure it out and they're going to talk about it and they're going to tell a hundred people who are going to tell another hundred people. So I kind of think that in today's world, the worst part of advertising are less possible than maybe they once were too, and I I also think one of the best aspects of advertising and marketing and branding is that it levels the playing field between the big like corporations and smaller companies like yours and mine. Right? Like I've been doing some research on on your story. I mean. My understanding is our Gorongosa launched a whole new product line in the midst of a pandemic. So no trade shows, no sampling, none of that stuff that you normally do to launch a coffee brand. I mean, tell me how important was advertising and marketing to that product launch? I got to believe it was 100% essential, right?
1: Yes, you're exactly right. And here's the thing. Do the bigger players have more money to dig into oh, advertising? Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. And this is, you know, a long shot, but you can still have campaigns that go viral when you don't put any advertising yes. dollars behind it. And you can you, still absolutely. have with user-generated content, it's just giving a lot more opportunity. To your point, where if you're putting out really good content and your product's good or your service is great, there's room for you. There is room for you. One hundred percent, Emily. That's
2: such a really good point. And you know, you and I are talking here, and by the time this airs, the Super Bowl would have happened. But you know, we're we're a few days out for this from the Super Bowl, which is like a huge cultural phenomenon, right? As far as I just, I'm not even sure who's playing in the game. I don't know the sure. time. I'm not sure who's doing the halftime show, but I've already seen the preview reel of the commercials and I just can't wait. So I also like to say hey, a world without advertising would be a world that is less colorful, it would be less interesting. I think growth would be slowed, particularly for the smaller companies. Product margins would be reduced. Messaging would be created by lawyers, accountants, physicians, social workers, engineers, all lovely people, but should not be writing advertising. You know, we'd have to rely on word of mouth, which can be very slow. And consumers would have to do a lot of their own research, which, you know, consumers may not realize how much content is really spoon-fed their direction very carefully. You know, they just have to type in the phrase and here it is. And that is not by accident.
1: Mm, Yes. Those are all amazing points. And to another fellow marketer, I love to hear them. I would love to chat a little bit also about some of the marketing trends that you're looking forward to this year. 2022. 2022.
2: Well, you know, I know the typical answers would be all the new data stuff, right? Like, uh, you know, SEO, SEM, all of the new digital trends, the retargeting, the content marketing, all of that. But What I am most excited about is purpose marketing and social impact marketing. And said something earlier, which I think is really interesting. When you worked in a PR firm, you worked on a lot of retail and a lot of nonprofits. And at the time, I bet those were separate worlds. Mm -hmm. And today, they're with smart marketers, smart businesses like our Gorongosa, The purpose and the product are being interwoven. And I'm so excited about that. And I I think one of the one of the most important powers that marketers have right now is using their voice. Like I didn't know about the struggles of Mozambique, right? Like I kind of knew, but Interacting with your product has helped educate me and it makes me happy to buy your product because I know that you stand for something really, really good. And I feel like maybe two years ago, three years ago, we would... and I almost hate to say it, we would counsel a lot of our clients to kind of, hey, let's stay out of the fray. Let's stay quietly on the sidelines. That is not an option anymore, right? Like you cannot stay on the sidelines. And another thing that's not an option is you can't be fake. Like you can't be out there talking about stuff that you don't live internally. So combining purpose and marketing, I think, is just so crucial. And more and more and more studies are coming out that really support the fact that consumers want to support brands that are making a difference. And in today's workforce, where we're all just like clamoring for people to to fill our open positions, it's even a higher percentage of people want to work at organizations that stand for something positive. So I, I think that is the new big thing, the the combining of purpose with your overall marketing message.
1: Mm, I love that. And yeah, I would love to see in a future where that is so integrated for maybe all companies have this yeah of impact within, like you said, woven into their business. That really is the goal. <laughs> I would love Yeah, that.
2: yeah, yeah. So I hear actually... You are interviewing me, but I love the story of your company, Emily. I mean, I have heard that you all measure your success by the number of trees planted and the number of girls helped. And anyone who's listening who hasn't checked out your website, I just think should because I I love the way you're doing that, and it has inspired me to really think through how Kid Glove can do that. Our Our purpose is to put a megaphone in front of those who are doing good. So I'm like, how could we have that big number out in front of us Mm -hmm. that measures how we're putting that megaphone out there? So. You got yes. me thinking.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that compliment. On that note, one of the last things I wanted to touch on is the corporate culture of Kid Glove mm-hmm. and why that's so important, and why something like becoming certified B Corp was so important to you.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. So, wow, those are big, heavy questions. And 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 congratulations to you too. I mean, I think Kid Glove and Ghost that became B Corps at the same time and. I don't know about you. It was super easy for us. Was it super easy for you? I'm just kidding. There, don't. It was hard, and I'm glad it was hard because it made us a better company. And part of the reason it made us better is it asked us some questions that caused us to, to take things about our culture that were just intentions and like baked them in as hardwired policies, things that will measure from here on out and really made us a better company. But you know, I think, I, I don't think that it's funny to me that more companies don't really dive into culture more seriously, right? I think companies like to talk about culture, but when the rubber hits the road, I don't know that they all live it. But you know, I think the reality is, being the founder of the company, if our culture is strong, like it's a lot more fun for me to go to work, right? And if it's more fun for me to go to work, it's more fun for everybody else to go to work. And, you know, one of my favorite books is Simon Sinek's Leaders Eat Last. And he he talks about the perfect work culture and how when you can remove a person's need to be fearful or defensive, and it just opens up their mind to be creative and do their work. And that's what we want at Kid Glove. I, I don't want anybody to spend any energy at all on the negative stuff. I want their brains to be open and free to do the good stuff. And even, our COO, Catherine Warren, who's just amazing at building our culture, she often says it's her personal mission to remove the barriers for all of our people. And so as she removes the barriers, they're just happier and more productive. And when our people are happy, they make our clients happy. And when our clients are happy, they make our people happy. And it's just, it's, it's
1: great. Yeah. Oh, that's all so beautiful. I love to hear it. And it's that amazing positive feedback loop that you're talking about. Yeah.
2: Yes. (laughs) And you know what? I think that's the thing too. It's not, I mean, having a positive culture is not like saying yes to everything. It's not being a soft culture. It's, you still have to have courageous conversations. You just have to have those courageous conversations with a positive filter, right? Like I have myself sometimes, you know, maybe getting a little bit frustrated and and like taking that out and going, I got to talk to that person about this. And then I just have to stop myself for a minute and go, all right, what is really going on here? Why did this happen? What is it that I really need to tell them? And how do I strip the negative emotion out of it? Like, how do I look at it from the standpoint of you did this and I'm angry to, hey, if in the future we could do it this way, it would be better for both of us, right? I mean, even me just saying those two things has a really different feel to it. So yeah, it's a little extra work, but I think worth it, worth it.
1: Mm -hmm. In the long run, and it's speaking about attracting new talent and retaining the talent, I think those are the things that will make a big difference because if they can feel comfortable to voice their concerns they're going to end up way happier. So I think in the yeah. long run, you need to have those difficult conversations at some point and they don't feel great at first. No. I'm getting a lot better at them though. <laughs> like yeah. <practice>. yeah.
2: <laughs> I And the thing too, I have to realize that I tell people too, the person who's having the negative conversation, the person who's like directing the feedback, they don't want to have this conversation either. You know, it's not fun for them either. I always say, The thing I like to do least is go to a creative team and say, Oh, this work, I think it missed the mark. Right. But sometimes I have to say that because that's my job. But, you know, I, when we have to say that, let's do it with a standpoint of, All right, how can we look at this positively and get a positive outcome here?
1: Mm, I love that. Before we get to the rapid fire, I wanted to thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I really want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing with Kid Glove and how you're supporting these amazing, incredible companies and the way that you are taking a stand for vulnerability within your own workplace. Mm, It's incredible. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, Emily. I appreciate that. It's really important to me and to us. So thank you.
1: Mm, I love that.
2: What is a book that's changed your life? Okay. Well, I mentioned Simon Sinek, who I love, but honestly, and I love to read, like I will read 50 or 60 books a year, but I think the one, the one that I'd really point to is called Darling, You Can't Do Both. It's by Nancy Vonk, uh, who's a Canadian, and she was part of the creative team that worked on the Dove Real Beauty campaign that was super popular a few years ago, but It really speaks to women in the workforce and it really speaks to like owning the type of work and work environment that you want to be in. So I I actually, when I read that book, I didn't read it until I was 50. I wish I would have read it when I was 25, just tears rolling down my face. Like I wish I would have, you know, had these words and phrases
1: 25 years ago. Yeah. I'm adding that one to my list. Oh, so good. So good. What is the f- your favorite place you've traveled? Mm, so
2: uh, hands down, South Africa, right before the pandemic for my 33rd wedding anniversary, my husband and I, we went to Durban and we did a safari. And then on top of that, Stellenbosch is a lovely wine company. And Cape Town has an amazing food and history scene. And then there's a little place kind of in that area called Gans Bay. And we did shark cage diving, which is not nearly as scary. I actually wanted it to be more scary, but it was—it was pretty darn fun. We did see a couple of great whites, but mostly, uh, I think they were called bronze whaler sharks. So, yeah, the most scary thing was the chum they were throwing over our heads to attract the sharks to the cage. So, anyway. Very fun. So I hope someday that's
1: why, too, I love your story of Mozambique uh, to go back and go to Mozambique as well. That would be incredible. That trip sounds amazing, though. (laughs) Mm,
2: It was a great trip. It was worth being married for over 30 years to go on this
1: trip. (laughs) Well, you guys, you need some sort of, you know, award for that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My husband, for sure. My husband definitely deserved it.
1: Oh, what's a lesson you've learned recently? Mm, I'm gonna say
2: learn to surf and since we just talked about sharp cage diving it has nothing to do with really surfing in the ocean which would be fun but I tend to be a controller and what I am learning is if I can loosen the grip a little bit and kind of go with the flow I think that's my main lesson from the pandemic just learn to go with the flow a little bit right like it makes life a little bit happier and, and
1: more interesting and less stressful. Mm, Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And final question here, name a woman who inspires you. Uh, I got to say, I have such great female role models in my
2: family, right? Like, I think back generations ago to women who were literally pioneers and my both of my grandmothers lived on farms and survived the Dust Bowl and the depression. And my mother, I know you asked me for just one, but I got to give you the whole package. My mother was so great because she, she was, she broke the mold and was a working mom, which was unusual for me at my age and, and pushed me to break the mold for my age. And, And then I have to think my daughters too are just like these incredibly strong, smart women. And I'm going to add in my son, even I'm so proud of him has, you know, spends a lot of time with a young woman who's also incredibly strong and smart. And I just think being surrounded by these strong, smart women and knowing they've gone before me and um, we're building a legacy for them. I I really say that, but Emily, I got to say to you, I've loved this conversation. You inspire me, your CEO, Patty Connor inspires me, uh, you know, the work that you choose to do and to do it with such flair and with such love, I think is, is really uh, a good role model for all of us.
1: Thank you so much. And right back at you. This has been such a pleasure and the work you're doing is so inspiring. And I want to make sure all the listeners go check you out. So we'll link all the social and the uh, website so you can connect with Lynn and Kid Glove. That sounds great. Emily, thanks so much. This has been so much fun. Thank you as well.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to the Girls Who Run the World podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, Please share it with a friend who would love it. Leave us a five-star review and hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Our Gorongosa, head over to ourgorongosa.com and find us on social at Our